You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Tech moves fast. So keep pace with the Daily Crunch Podcast from TechCrunch. With new episodes every day, this podcast will give you a quick overview on everything you need and should know about startups, new tech, regulations, and more. Listen to TechCrunch Daily Crunch now, wherever you get your podcasts. That's TechCrunch Daily Crunch, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Jim. And I'm Lisa. Hey guys, it's Amon. And Christina. And you're listening to the What's Up Next podcast. Next, where your hosts, Paul David Thompson and Doc G, take the discussion on topics in the financial independence movement to the next level. Guest panelists share their opinion to questions that don't have clear answers to help you refine your path to financial independence. Welcome. This is Paul David Thompson. And this is Doc G. So, Paul Thompson, what's up next? Well, hey, Doc, it's good to talk to you again. We have some international dwellers here with us today, and we're asking the question, should you utilize geo-arbitrage in your financial plan? So we'll give each of them a chance to give a quick introduction, and we will jump right into the conversation. Hi, guys. My name's Jim. I retired at the end of 2019 at the age of 43 from a career in IT. We moved to Panama in the summer of 2019 because why not? Now I spend a lot of time blogging about financial independence as well as our adventures here in Panama at RouteToRetire.com. And you have your wife, lovely wife here with you. I, my name is Lisa and I worked in nonprofit for quite some time in 2017. I was laid off and decided to stay home and kind of do my own thing. I was freelancing, I guess. I would go clean for people, take people to their appointments, babysit, whatever people needed, run errands, that kind of thing. I did not want to go back to another job because with kids, it's hard. I wouldn't have the freedom to be able to stay home and pick Faith up from school or take her to school or if she was sick, stay home. So that's why I decided to do some freelancing. This is uh, Aman. I am 39 years old. I retired after seven 18 years of federal service. I was a government employee. I had the golden handcuffs, but uh, I walked away from it all about two months ago, and I am enjoying my first two months of retirement here in Lisbon, Portugal. And I am his wife, Christina. We're actually a family of four. We have an 11 and 13-year-old, and Aman was 39 when he retired. I'm two years older than him, so I was 41, but we reached financial independence. We retired early and moved to Lisbon, Portugal. Aman, I'd like to start with you. I was watching one of your videos from 10 months ago, and you guys said something to the extent of, we're about three years away from financial independence, retire early. And then a month ago, you guys come out with a video saying we're retired. What had changed? Well, we had really good returns on real estate and uh, in the stock market. We had put together a 10-year plan. So that's why I was saying uh, uh, three more years. But We got there a lot sooner than we thought, and so we decided to go for it. Christina, tell us what is geo-arbitrage, and did that have anything to do with your plan on retiring earlier than you thought? 
it's this concept that you can basically move to another place that's possibly, for example, a lower cost of living. By moving to a lower cost of living, you can potentially reach financial independence early. You can retire earlier than what you expected. And for us, we actually get this question a lot because we had a couple of different places that we were interested in retiring to. And one was going back home to the San Francisco Bay Area, which is an incredibly high cost of living place. And we moved to Lisbon, Portugal. And Lisbon, Portugal is, we just did a video on the cost of living here, which is for us, our family of four is about $4,500 a month. And in San Francisco, in the San Francisco Bay Area, it's a lot more. Now for us though, we actually created our fire number based off of living in the Bay Area. And the reason why we did that is because we thought that by using the higher cost area, we would have the opportunity to move around if we wanted to. But if we based it solely on, for example, Thailand, where we were thinking about, or Portugal, where we eventually moved, we knew that we would limit ourselves and we wouldn't be able to go back to the Bay Area if we wanted to. So for us personally, it didn't impact our journey in terms of making it shorter because we moved to Portugal, because we always had that fire number based off of the Bay Area. And Christina, you guys had lived other places. This is not your first time living internationally. Am I correct that you guys lived in Spain and Japan at some point? Yeah, that's right. We lived in Spain for about two years and and we lived in Japan for quite some time, a little over eight years. And we actually came, we were living in Japan when we decided to retire. So we lived in Japan, decided to retire. We moved back to the Bay Area to just finish some loose ends. And then we came straight here. So Lisa, tell us who came up with this idea between the the two of you to move outside of the country and retire and specifically Panama. Was that your ideas or Jim's? That was definitely Jim's idea. And I was against the idea for a very long time of moving not only out of the country, but first it was just moving south, uh, maybe to South Carolina or something. And I was against that as well. So it, it took a lot of convincing me to move out of the country. So yes, that was definitely Jim's idea. And was it just moving out of the country that was difficult or was it intimately tied to this idea also of retiring and not having an active income anymore? Well, I think that for me was two separate things that I was, I wouldn't say I was against him retiring, but it was very hard for me to wrap my head around for him to give up his salary. I think it would have been a lot easier if we didn't have a daughter because we wouldn't have to worry about somebody else other than ourselves. But when he first brought up the retirement, the first thing that I think of is, oh my gosh, we have to give up so much. Our daughter's not going to be able to do her activities. We're not going to be able to go out to eat or go to the movies. Just my ignorance, I guess, is what made me think those things. And then Jim kept bringing the numbers to me and we would go over them and go over them. And then he finally convinced me, yes, we could definitely do this. And Jim, basically Christina and Aman said that they had already figured out their financial independence retire early budget based on the United States. And I noticed that you waited until you felt comfortable retiring before moving to Panama. Isn't that almost backwards? Don't most people look at geo-arbitrage as a mechanism to retire early as opposed to doing it after they retire early? Well, yeah, I'll actually take you kind of a, a step back on that because when we were initially chasing financial independence, we had looked at the idea of moving to another country. I didn't even know what geo-arbitrage was at the time. And that was my thought was, hey, what if we move somewhere that's cheaper so we can reach financial independence sooner 
and get out of the rat race because I was ready to be done with my job. And that's where the whole Panama thing ended up coming into play eventually. And finally, Lisa's the one that pointed out and said, hey, that's all well and good, but what if we get down there and we stay for a year and we're like, this is just not the place for us. And now we're kind of trapped because we either have to come back to the US and I have to get a job, which I don't want to do, or we're stuck in Panama. So that was really all her play there. As an aside, Jim, and I'll open this up to anyone if you could answer, do you remember the first time you heard this term, geo-arbitrage, and who it came from? The first time I had heard that term was actually, I heard it used with with retail, retail arbitrage. And this is this idea of of, of buying something cheap in in one location and selling it more expensive in another. And uh, this must have been during my side hustle days. And anyway, I I started going down this rabbit hole of of retail arbitrage and I happened to run across geo-arbitrage. And, you know, we had been living overseas for so many years and we were actually taking full advantage of this and, and we didn't know, you know, that we had this benefit. And so for us, I I think we stumbled across the definition, but we were already kind of living our lives that way. And Christina, why is geo-arbitrage so powerful? You know, for us, like I said, we're living in in Portugal, which has a significantly lower cost of living compared to where we originally thought we were going to retire. And for us, it provides really the utmost security for us because by moving here, we're not tied to that 4% rule. You know, the idea of the 4% rule is that you have a strong likelihood of being able to live off of 4% of your assets for the rest of your retirement and not run out of money. But if you move to a lower cost of living, you're not even pulling out the full 4%. It's even less. And so when you're in a situation when you're pulling out less than the 4% of your entire portfolio, then the likelihood of you not running out of money is even greater. So I think that's what makes it really so powerful is this idea that if you set, for example, a 4% rule based off of living somewhere else and you end up going to a cheaper or a more affordable area to live, then you're securing your portfolio for a longer period of time and increasing the likelihood that you're not going to run out of money during your retirement. And Aman, there's the economic reasons for moving to Portugal, but I assume there are a lot of other things that went into this decision. Can you think about the top three or four that made Portugal specifically the place for you? You know, we had researched Portugal for years and we had made several trips here. And, you know, we were considering other countries as well. We looked at Spain and Thailand and, of course, going back to the U.S., but Portugal just kept coming back up. One, the people are amazing here. We actually did a video on this where we talked about the top 10 reasons why we chose Portugal. And number one was the people. Number two was the healthcare system. You know, healthcare here is number seven in the world. So it's even higher than the U.S. and many other countries that you would think have have better healthcare, but healthcare is amazing here. And then, of course, there's the safety as well. Portugal is a very safe country. It's one of the safest countries in the world. In fact, I think it's 12th. It's number three, oh, actually. I'm sorry. It's, it's the number third three. safest country it's, in the world. Yeah. In that video, we talk about 10 other reasons. There were tax reasons why we chose to come here. There were just so many reasons. Yeah. And I want to give you a compliment actually on that video because there is a point in that video when you talk about how varied the people are and you just take, you know, a minute and focus on a bunch of different faces. And it was, it was a lovely thing to put into the video. So I wanted to give you a compliment on that. It was very worth watching. And I hope our audience members take a look at that video specifically. Christina, any downsides 
to Portugal? Anything that maybe made you question whether that was a place for you? I mean, I guess it's so early to tell. We're so in love with Portugal. It's hard to even point out the downsides. We talk about the idea that when you move to Portugal, it's like English seems not knowing Portugal seems not to be even a barrier. It's like so many people here in Portugal speak English. I guess if I'd say any downside, I really want to learn the Portuguese language. We're all studying it. We're all meeting with tutors and we're trying to learn the language. But I wouldn't say that there's been any type of barrier in terms of what we're trying trying to achieve here. Our girls are in school here. We have an apartment here. But I'd say if there's anything that could potentially be a barrier, it's that it could potentially be a language issue if you go outside of the large city. So I really want to learn the language. I'd like to switch over to Jim and Lisa and ask the same question. Why Panama? You know, similar to what Aman was saying, there's so many different things that are wonderful. I mean, the, the economy is great. The cost of healthcare and the quality of healthcare is very good here too. A beautiful weather. There's no major natural disasters here. I mean, like we're out of the hurricane zone here. So we'll, Panama's never been hit by a hurricane. The people are so friendly. I think the biggest thing for me is like Aman and Jim were saying, the people here are so friendly and helpful. And so even you know, if, if there is the language barrier, you somehow figure out what each other's trying to say. And few people, but very rarely do they get annoyed with you or you know, irritated. So even you know, the Panamanians are trying to help you acclimate to here. They want you to be happy, which is really nice. So that's been very helpful, I think, for all of us. And I will add that it's 75 degrees basically every single day here where we're at the mountains. And for me, that's about my temperature range is about uh, 75 through 80. That's about all I like. So perfect. So what is y'all's level of Spanish? Very little, but Faith and I are also, we just started going to a tutor to learn the language. Jim is a little bit better than I am, both of us, but very little. But we are really trying to learn so we can feel more comfortable. And like Lisa mentioned too, the Panamanians here are fantastic. They know as soon as you bring out your phone to uh, pull up Google Translate, if there's something you can't figure out, they are more than willing to try and work with you to figure out what's going on. There's no lifting their nose up, you know, just walking away. There's none of that. Everybody's so warm here. I've never been to Panama. What is the level of English in the city that you're in or the major cities? Spanish is the native language, but we're actually in an expat city. If I remember it, I think there's about 35 to 45,000 people here and about 5,000 are expats. And the expats mostly speak English, I'd say, but the Panamanians, most of them are speak only Spanish. But once in a while, you'll find some bilingual. Most of the time when you say, uh, tu hablas inglés, they say the same thing as Lisa, <laughs> like uh, just a little. And Lisa, were there other possibilities besides Panama for you guys? Were there other places you were thinking seriously of moving to? Well, Jim is the one who did a lot of the research on the moving abroad. I will say Portugal. I have read a couple of articles about living in Portugal as well, but Panama was really the number one, I think, for both of us, just because of all the research that Jim did. And he would send me articles and whatever he found on Panama over to me. So I would, I guess, get used to the idea of even moving. Well, unlike uh, Aman and Christina, we've never lived outside of the country before. So for us, this was a big move. And so one of the things that I wanted to have was kind of a, an easier transition. And, you know, I think the U.S. has a pretty 
vested interest in Panama due to the canal. And uh, between those things, you know, Panama still uses uh, their dollar is called the Balboa and it's based off the U.S. dollar. So it's interchangeable here. You know, you go to the ATM, you're getting U.S. dollars out of that. Just the small increments made it a little easier to try this out before we uh, move to uh, Portugal with Christina and Amon. And Amon, we've talked a little bit about language. We've talked about some of these other issues, but it would seem to me that logistics is a big issue when it comes to moving to another country. Talk a little bit about logistics above and beyond the language, things like visas, schooling. Has it been difficult for you guys to get used to this other country? Well, not Portugal. Portugal actually makes this, the logistics very simple. They encourage foreigners to come here. We play a big part of their economy, tourism does for sure. And so they really tried to make the process as easy as possible. Our visas, after applying, took about two months to get our visas. It was relatively stress-free. Finding schools here for our daughters, it was relatively easy. We actually uh, tried to get them into a uh, international English speaking school. And that was actually very difficult because there are so many expats moving here that the schools are just inundated. But coming here for us was pretty smooth. One thing that we did that most people probably don't do is we sold everything that we had in the U.S. and we came to Lisbon with only four suitcases. So we didn't have to worry about all of the shipping logistics that a lot of folks have to deal with. We came here in a very simple manner. And Christina, weren't all the forms and everything for your visas in English too? Yes. I mean, that's one of the things, like Amon said, they are so welcoming to foreigners and are really trying to entice foreigners to come and contribute to the economy here. And one of the things that interested us too, because we were looking also at Spain and the process of applying for the visas in Spain versus Portugal, and everything in Portugal is all in English. You don't need to translate anything. All of our financial documents that we needed to submit to support to show that we could support ourselves while we're living here without working. All of that we could submit as is. We didn't need to get it translated. So it just made it such a smooth process for us. And we had documents that came from Japan as well. We had to get a, a clearance, a uh, security clearance from the Japanese police. And that was in, in, in Japanese. They accepted that. We didn't have to translate that. So that's just another example of how they work with you. And Jim, have you found Panama to be as easy? Have the logistics been more of an issue for you? No, it's actually been really smooth. You know, we decided not to get residency yet. And that's based on the cost, you know, for an attorney and all that kind of stuff. It would probably run, I'm budgeting about five to 5,000 to 7,500 for everything. And that's okay, but I don't want to burn through that money. And then we find out a few months later, we're like, yeah, this isn't the place for us. So we decided we're doing a, a year kind of trial, which means we're following the, the tourist rules. And, you know, we have to leave every uh, several months for, you know, just one month at a time. In fact, we're leaving in four weeks. We'll be heading back to the States for a while and then we'll come back. But no, I think everything's been pretty smooth. We also, because of those tourism rules, we couldn't put our daughter Faith in school because they tend to frown upon you pulling your kid out of school for a month at a time. So we're actually trying our hand at homeschooling for this year to see how that goes. And your expectation is if that you enjoy it there, that you might want to live there long term and then you'll have more of a permanent visa where you won't have to leave the country so often. That's correct. It's actually very easy to get a visa here. The Friendly Nations visa, like I said, you got some cost of the attorney and everything, but 
you got to put some money in the bank, but that's really about it. And you mentioned the friendly visa nations. Can you explain more about that? Yeah, they have a number of different visas here, the friendly nations visa. And I think they have this in other countries as well. I think it's like a reciprocal type of uh, residency. But but basically, when you come into the country, you can apply for this. They, they make you put, uh, I can't remember the number offhand, but we'll say $10,000 into the bank. And it doesn't have to stay there, but they just want to know you're bringing some money into the country to be able to spend. And then you also have to start a, a business here. You know, honestly, there's not too much involved with that. You basically have to own a business. You don't have to do anything with it. It could actually be like a shell business if you want to call it that. But that's about it. It's pretty simple. And Lisa, what about the creature comforts? Obviously, Panama's not going to feel exactly like Ohio does. Have you noticed that there are a number of little things that aren't as easy for you as they were in the United States? You know, just normal everyday stuff that we don't think twice about in the United States. So the one thing that I am still trying to get used to is not having a vehicle. We decided to, at least for now, try not to get a car. We are within walking distance of town, so we can do some shopping and grocery shopping. So I'm used to having my own car and being able to get in it and go when and where I want to and not have to worry about calling a cab or walking into town to get a cab. So that is something that I am getting used to. Jim and Faith seem to be used to that already and they're fine with it. And then there are a lot of differences. Well, for children, where we're at, there are not as many activities. And it seems we have not found too many younger families with kids just yet. We're starting to, but it's really taken a lot of time. Here, where we're at, seems to be a lot of retirees. And so there's not too many activities for kids. We have found horseback riding for Faith, which she absolutely loves. But even like gymnastics or dancing or just going roller skating or something. There's just not those opportunities. So that's a few of the things that I'm getting used to. Shopping is definitely getting better, but at first just learning the language and what different items are and going into a store, not knowing the brands that you're used to is it's trial and error. You have to bring something home and try it like, oh my gosh, this is disgusting. We definitely have to try something else. You know, just regular, I don't know, chicken nuggets or ketchup or, you know, just those simple things that you think you'd be able to go purchase. It's definitely different. This episode is brought to you by Range Rover Sport. Range Rover Sport leads by example. With a visceral, uncompromising, and dramatic feel, this car helps you rise to the occasion. How does it do that? Range Rover Sport has powerful on-road performance and commanding all-terrain capability by combining assertiveness with signature Range Rover refinement. This is the car that redefines sporting luxury. The new Range Rover Sport features advanced cabin technologies such as active noise cancellation and cabin air purification, purposeful cockpit-like driving position, and award-winning PIVI Pro infotainment is at the heart of the experience and provides intuitive control of the vehicle systems. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. Once again, explore and build your Range Rover Sport at L-A-N-D-R-O-V-E-R. USA.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. I have a confession to make. Money has been stressful to us lately. 
Look, we are in the midst of a house remodel. We are sending our first kid to college, and everything I thought I knew about budgeting has been out the window. The main savior for us has been Monarch Money. We started using Monarch Money about three months ago. My wife and I have been thinking a lot about our finances, and our budget has changed. But we love Monarch Money because it's collaborative. We can both look at this together as well as share it with other people like a financial advisor if we want to. It's really aspirational. We can put information in there about, for instance, our kids' college education or about our remodel. And we can see where we need to go and where we are going. This is the next generation of personal finance apps. Monarch Money is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now you can get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com earn. That's monarchmoney.com E-A-R-N. What I love about Monarch Money is it's intuitive. It's really easy to sign on and connect all your bank accounts and credit cards. As we said, it's collaborative. It's also customizable. Like We were able to build in exactly what we wanted to do with our kids' college education as well as our home remodel. This is an app that is customer-focused. Really, Monarch Money is looking to make this app useful to you and me and all of us who are aspirational about our money. After trying out Monarch Money for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners to the show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com earn. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash E-A-R-N for your extended 30-day free trial. Aman, talk about how it is for your kids. I remember that I've seen multiple videos on Facebook of your children doing various sports or playing basketball. How have you found it for your kids to integrate into this new city? Well, sports is a great tool for integration. Our girls have been able to come here and immediately join a family when they join a sports team. So both our daughters play sports. Our oldest plays basketball. And so she has 24 new sisters, I mean, because she's on two basketball teams. And our youngest daughter, she's on a a national swim team. Her swim team will compete nationally. And so they do sports five nights a week. So the transition has been relatively smooth. But our kids have have been through this before. Uh, When they were in in Japan, uh, they also played with sports teams. They were also brand new to the culture and, of course, the country. And so when we told them we were coming to Portugal, they looked forward to being new again. They enjoy that kind of being this novelty American on the team and folks practicing their English with them. So they've had a really good time. I was about to say, Christina, how has it been for the kids with the language barrier? I know you guys have said that a lot of people speak English there, but has it been hard for the kids to get used to trying to learn this new language and interact with their friends? No, and I love it. You know, they go to a private Portuguese school. So they speak Portuguese at the school, but their teachers also speak English. So when they're having problems, the teachers will speak to them in English and work through whatever they're working on. And the idea behind this choosing this particular school too is that the classrooms are very small. So there's a lot of one-on-one help that they get with their teachers. And they are definitely learning the language a lot quicker than we are. You know, my youngest daughter was just telling me the other day that she was dreaming and then she started speaking 
speaking Portuguese in her dream and she told me what she dreamt and I said, oh, that's real Portuguese. That's not just like words flying out of her mouth. You know, like you actually said something in Portuguese in your dream. So they're really learning the language and I think it's it's because of this school, the way they're learning and again, like Amon said, being part of these sports teams helps enormously because they're able to practice their Portuguese, their friends try and practice their English with them. And it just, it helps them want to learn the language a lot quicker too. Lisa, also speak to socialization with your daughter, Faith. Given that she's not in the school system, have you found it harder for her to meet new kids and make friends? Absolutely. That is, I think, one of our barriers here right now. We have, you know, it has only been not even two months. So, you know, our first month we were in a a small apartment until we found our permanent place. So that first month was really mostly us looking for a permanent place to live. So we weren't really going out and socializing. So now that we are in the apartment, like I said, we are in a place that has a lot of retirees and there's not too many activities yet for children that we have found. It's very hard here because nothing has websites. Uh, You can't just go on the internet and look up dance classes. Unfortunately, it's mostly word of mouth and her not being in a school and us not meeting other parents yet. Um, it's, it's hard to get her involved in activities. So like I said, we, she is taking horseback riding lessons once a week. There are a few girls there that, and we've started talking to their mothers and parents and stuff, which is really nice. So we're hoping to now get into a clique or find more families to get her more socialized. And Faith is very, I don't want to say a loner, but she is okay being with older adults, I guess. She fits in with grownups. She'll just sit at a table with grownups and people just forget she's even there because she's that kid. So I think right now it's okay and we're all getting used to the place. But yes, I think in the next couple of months, she's definitely needs some friends her age to play with and hang out with. Mom and dad just are not cutting it anymore after these couple of months. So Jim, I want to transition this conversation a little bit. I think we sometimes make the mistake in the financial independence community is we make everything seem or feel too easy. So I'm thinking about what a person who is looking at geo-arbitrage as a possible way to either getting to financial independence or something they want to do after financial independence. Sometimes people don't realize how much thought actually goes into this. If I remember correctly, you started talking about Panama in 2015. Is that correct? That's about right. In a way, it seems like it'd be easy to just take off. And obviously, moving to another country is different than moving to another city or state. There's a lot of aspects you got to consider when you're moving to another country. I mean, it could be anything from how you're going to handle healthcare to where you're going to live. I mean, there, there's so much involved with it. I think the way we did it, I'm very happy that we're doing it not. Technically, I don't know if you'd call it geo-arbitrage in that, like I said, we planned well, similar to Christina and Amon, we planned it so we could live in the States if we wanted to. But having the ability to pay less here is paying off as well. Can you quantify? I know it's really difficult, but I know you guys actually went to Panama first years ago to check it out. And then all those hours spent on the internet and thinking and planning to actually end up in Panama. I just want to make the point, I don't need a specific number, but it wasn't something you just came to overnight. Is that right? No, it was a lot of planning. I started talking to a couple of people that actually live here that we had gotten in touch with and started learning 
quite a bit from them over the years. And that was tremendously helpful. But if you saw my Trello board of our plans to move here, it was pretty incredible. Yeah. You know, when we finally decided on Portugal, we had probably spent countless hours doing research on very specific topics. When we were looking at the education system here, you know, there's not a lot of information on the internet when it comes to that. So we had to go on all types of forums. Facebook was amazing because they have all of these groups that are very specific. And we were considering homeschool at one point. So we went down that rabbit hole. We were considering international schools. We went down that rabbit public schools. So you can spend hours on one particular subject. I mean, days, it feels like it. But then that's all of the theoretical research that you're doing. Then you have to come here. So we took, I think, three trips to Portugal. And we came in various times of the year so we could kind of get a feel for it. And you're coming and you're just exhausted because you're here. You know, you're not on vacation. You're like on reconnaissance. You have a limited amount of time to open a bank account, to find real estate, to get your medical together, to get a tax ID number. So it is a lot of work. And you get to the end of the trip and you're like, I have to go back to work now, right? (laughs) I just traveled 17, 24 hours on on a flight, worked nonstop for two weeks doing research. Now I'm going back to work. It can be very exhausting. And Christina, was there ever a point where you were like, forget all this, let's just geo-arbitrage within the United States. Let's find another city or state that maybe is a lower cost of living, but isn't such a big jump as leaving the country? No. (laughs) (laughs) No. And the reason why is because I mean, for us, we knew if we were going to go back to the States, it really had to be the Bay Area. For us, the Bay Area is so unique, and that is what we would call like our stateside home. We really didn't think about moving anywhere else seriously inside the United States just because any idea of a place that came up was like, no, because of this or this or this. I mean, there's definitely places within the States that have a lower cost of living. But for us, if we were going to be in the States, the only place that we could really see ourselves was back in the Bay Area. Lisa, I'd ask you the same question. Was there ever a moment where you're like, Panama is just too hard. Let's find somewhere else in the United States that that we could do this? Several times. Like I said, just doing some of the research after Jim would send me articles about how great Panama is, but then getting into the nitty gritty, like I said, there are, you just can't go on the internet and find activities for kids or even restaurants or grocery stores or, you know, it's just sometimes so hard doing. And like at the beginning, I was against moving. So I would say, well, why not the Carolinas? It has nice weather, you know, and we could come home. We could just drive home whenever we wanted. So to answer your question, there have been plenty of times where I wanted to back out and say, I'm just not doing it. Let's figure something else out. And Jim, let's turn to maybe a little bit more difficult a subject. When I talk to people about geo-arbitrage, especially when we're talking about outside the country, the biggest fear seems to ultimately be isolation from friends and family. Tell me, have you guys started to feel some of that? Is that a worry you have? Yes, I think that pretty much encompasses. To be honest, I really think that might be one of the only thing that might draw us back at some point and say, okay, it's time to move back. You know, everything else, we're happy with the simpler lifestyle, I think. I think we're happy with the uh, 40 cent beers. I have no complaints about that. But yeah, friends and family is very tough. And 
you know, we talk about how technology makes it so much easier. You know, 20 years ago, you couldn't be on Hangouts or Skype and talk to, you know, people at home. We're also leveraging Google Voice. So we didn't have to change phone numbers or anything like that. People just call or text our regular number. We text back. So that makes it easier, but it's still not the same. So yeah, it's tough. Amon, does what Jim say hold resonance for you? I mean, you can figure out the visas, you can figure out the language, you can figure out the schooling and the healthcare. Yeah, it might take a lot of work, but family and friends is something that most likely you're not going to be able to move them all there with you. Is this something you've been feeling too? You must not know our story then, because when we moved to Japan, we gave our family an ultimatum and they came to visit. We weren't leaving. So, We've been overseas for so many years that we've found that when you fully commit to the country, when you don't keep one foot in one country and the other foot in the other, it makes the transition much more smoother. So when we went to Japan, for example, our friends and family came to visit us. And my father came to visit and ended up staying. My father is still in Japan right now, right? He was mad we moved to Portugal, I think. He's like, hey, I retired here in Japan and you guys moved to Portugal. So he's probably on his way to Portugal. You know, we, we get to a location, we scope it out, and then we tell our friends and family, you guys need to come here. It's legit. Come here right now. You know, I do miss hanging out with my high school buddies. And none of them can seem to get a passport to save their lives. So that's the one hang up is that, yes, I'm building relationships with people that are here, but the friends that you grew up with, those experiences and just like sitting down with them and automatically kind of just being at home, I do miss that. I definitely miss just stopping by one of my buddy's house. We go play basketball or we just hang out. So I have to work harder, especially I think as an adult, it's harder to build new relationships because people kind of, hey, I got enough friends, you know, to handle. And now I have this American that wants to be my friend too. (laughs) So we've had to probably overextend our welcome and, you know, steal friends from people. But we've tried to make that transition as smooth as possible. And friends and family, they have to come along with us. Otherwise, they won't talk to us. I mean, when our friends and family come out here, they usually stay for three weeks or four weeks. And we actually get to spend more quality time with them than what we did in the States. So I have nothing but really good things to say about it. And to Mon's point, when you're talking about old friends and stuff, you can, you can always make new friends in the country you're in, but it's different because you don't have those memories from decades past. Like Amon said, you just kind of fall into that. You just know each other. But when you make new friends, it, it's, it takes a while to get that comfortable with them. You can have plenty of beers with new friends, but it, it is a little more difficult. So, Christina, I want to round out this conversation a little bit and talk about geo-arbitrage and the financial independence community as a whole. Are we underutilizing it? Are there more people who should be taking advantage of the superpower? I think that it is a superpower. And I think if people can figure out a way to make it work, but my only hesitancy, I I guess I would say is that if you're just running to a country because you think that it's more affordable and you can retire early and you're going there just for that sole purpose, I don't think you're really going to find what you're looking for. And I'll give you an example because at one point we were also thinking of going to Thailand, which has an even more affordable cost of living. And we've gone to Thailand several, several times. Amun studied abroad there in college. And about a year, a year and a half ago, two years ago, we went to Thailand again with the girls and we brought them several times to Thailand also. And when we got there, we just thought, 
I can't see living here permanently or for an extended period of time. And so for us, it could have been very easy for us to even cut out earlier if we wanted to and say, hey, we can retire immediately. We can go live in Thailand. But to me, that's the wrong concept behind why we would be doing it. If you're going just because you want to save money, I don't think that's necessarily the best option. Like we came to Portugal because it wasn't that we could just save money. Like, of course, we can save money living here, but there are so many other factors that drove us to Portugal. And I think that's what someone really has to assess. And if they assess that properly, then I think this is a superpower, going to some place that's more affordable and being able to reach financial independence potentially retire early if that's what someone wants to do. But you just really have to assess all of the reasons why you want to do that. Aman, take away the financial issue. Knowing what you know now about Portugal, if it ended up, you know, the cost of living was similar to your average U.S. state, would you still have moved to Portugal, all things else being the same? Most definitely. I'm going to elaborate on that because we actually talked about that. We were like, hey, you know, if all things being the same, should we have just gone to San Francisco? You know, should we just gone to the Bay Area? And the lifestyle here is very similar to living in the Bay Area or living specifically in San Francisco because the public transportation is amazing. You can get around everywhere. You go outside and there's shops everywhere. There's You can walk everywhere. There's so much to do in this city, that it's very similar to San Francisco. But at the same time, the things that drove us here is like the safety. This is the third safest country in the entire world. You know, just the idea that the girls can go out and we're not looking everywhere and looking behind our back and you can't get on your phone because you have to be aware of everyone around you. You can't walk down the street fumbling in your purse or not being aware of things like we have to do in the States. I mean, it's not like we are totally oblivious to people around us here in Portugal, but the idea of living here and the safety and the healthcare system here is just, when we compared the two, we just thought if all things were the same, even the cost of living, we just like it. We love it here in Portugal. And we're so glad we moved here. Jim, give us a rundown. I know that you guys are very new there, but assessing everything that's happened, did you make the right choice? Can you decide something like that this early? Well, I would say for now, we definitely made the right choice. All things considered, even if this doesn't work out, let's say at the end of the year we go, eh, it was good, but it's time to go back. That's okay. I'd rather be here for the year and just experience things. And even, let's say I hated it. I would love to take that over being 80 years old and looking back going, you know, I wonder what if we had tried that? What would that have been like? But for now, I think we're loving it. Like I said, the only factor that's tough is the friends and family. I got to get tough like a man and just make everybody come here. But, you know, the closeness that Lisa has with her parents and Faith, you know, with both sets of grandparents too, is real tough for them to be away. But other than that, no, I I think this is a wonderful experience, a wonderful adventure. And we'll see. That might be a better question for Lisa. I think she loves it, but maybe might be a little more hesitant because of friends and family. Yeah, I definitely want to ask that same question to Lisa. But first, just to commend you both, because you both saved up enough money and made your life such that if this didn't work, you weren't dependent on it financially. So you've both made a decision based on strength. And so your ability to move and leave the country, it wasn't 
pulling you from the clenches of financial destitute state. It was something you could do out of a place of power. And I think that both of you, you should be commended for that. Lisa, speak to that a little bit. Can you save this early on in the game? Did you make the right decision? How are you feeling? I will definitely say we did make the correct decision. As much as I did not want to move here in the beginning, or I, should, I shouldn't say here, anywhere, I didn't want to move away. Like Jim said, my relationship with my parents and family is very strong. So I have never been away from them more than probably two weeks my entire life. And that's just a vacation and I'd go back. So being away has definitely been very difficult. But with that said, this experience that we're all getting and that Faith is getting, I did not want to take that away from her because I think it is so important that she sees the world in a different light. She's learning a new language. She's learning a new culture. Like Jim said, even if we are only here for a year, we have given her and ourselves an experience that most people don't get. So I really think just as a learning experience is so important and I'm, you know, we're so grateful that we are able to do it. So yes, even if we end up hating Panama, which I don't think we'll hate Panama. We actually love it. But if we decide to go somewhere else and try something else or even go back to the state. But yes, I think this experience is just so important and life-changing for all of us. So I'm going to run through the whole panel and I want each spouse to answer separately. Aman, I'm going to start with you. Speculate for me, will you ever live in the States no. I don't think we will. I think our daughters may go back to the United States, but they're going to have to come visit us in Portugal. Christina, same question. Will you ever live in the United States again? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you why. No, I I think we'll live in Portugal for the long run. I'm so anxious about our girls going away to college. (laughs) And the only thing that I think that we could go back to the States temporarily would be if they go back to college and I'd want to follow them. And I say this because my oldest daughter just went on a field trip to Spain for only two days. And I was texting her like every five minutes I like had to take a little nap in her bed. I mean, it's, it's sort of like crazy attachment that I just can't imagine them if they go to college in the States, us being here. But, you know, we've got several years to figure that out. But I think, you know, after the whole college run, we'll definitely be here permanently. Lisa, think into the future a few decades. Do you imagine you'll be in the United States or some other country? I will agree with Christina. I always, poor Faith, she's an only child, and I always say, you're stuck with us. Wherever you go, we love to travel, so wherever you go, we are following you. So if you go to college, wherever, out of the States or whatever country or whatever she decides to do, we are following her. She may not like that, but that's just something she has to deal with. I'm, I think eventually we will be back in the States. That's a hard question for me right now, because if I had to answer, I'd say, yes, let's go back right now. But that's just because I think of the homesickness that I'm feeling at this point. But we love it here. Uh, If we can meet more families and get Faith more involved and probably get her involved in school, I think that would be much easier too for me to answer. We would definitely stay because I do love it here. Like I said, I think it's just the homesickness right now that I'm feeling would make me go back. Jim, what does the future hold? Where do you think you'll end up? You know, the homesickness that Lisa was talking about, you know, we actually talked about that 
at the very beginning. That was one of the reasons why we wanted to do it like at least a year because we knew when we came here that there would be a rough patch where we don't have those friends, which is what we're basically have right now. The vacation, I don't want to say is over because it is every day is wonderful and we're retired. So that doesn't hurt either. But not having the close relationships here and knowing that they're at home, that homesickness makes it a little tough. I think as we start to develop friendships here, I think it'll be a lot easier and we'll see what happens by the end of the year. But if uh, there's even a chance, we didn't even talk about that. There's a possibility. I don't know how remote it is, but Lisa's parent had said, hey, if you guys are loving it after a year, we'll move down there too. And if that would happen, you'll never see us again. Yes. So, <laughs> that's the wild card. So I'd like to swing the attention of the conversation around to the the audience that is listening to this. Many of them are pursuing financial independence. Some of them already are financially independent. And a lot of people are thinking and toying with this idea, me included, of what would it really be like to live this geo-arbitrage retire early life. What are some of the things that you would suggest that people be thinking about as a synthesis of what we said so far? for those who are considering going to Panama or Portugal or some other far off place as a place to retire to? Well, right off the bat, I would say that it's kind of like what Christina was saying. If you're just doing it just for the money, you're not going to have a good experience and you'll, you'll be back soon enough. I think the important thing is that if you find a place that you're thinking, hey, this could be it, you need to spend a little bit of time there. You know, one of the things I wrote about is when we came down here for our visit in 2017, it was a recon mission. You know, we could say it was part vacation, but I made sure we didn't book all-inclusive resorts or anything like that. I wanted to make sure we got out there and talked to people. And we went into the grocery stores. We went, you know, into the restaurants. You know, I didn't want to, you know, if we were taking a trip to Myrtle Beach, we'd probably stack up the kitchen with a bunch of stuff. But when we did that vacation, that recon mission, we didn't do a lot of that. I mean, I think we mostly had breakfast, but for the most part, we wanted to get out and meet people. And those people that we talked to, we talked about everything. We talked about healthcare. We talked about education. We talked about safety. But the point is, we got a feel for it first. And we also traveled across the country. We didn't just go to one spot. We had it mapped out. And I think we took 10 days and, and we spent two places that we uh, parked ourselves in. But at each place, we drove around to different places to kind of explore and, and get a better feel for it. But the whole idea was, could we live here? And if we had booked it as an all-inclusive resort, uh, the answer would have been an easy yes. And that's the problem. We wanted to make sure, hey, if we were living a normal life, would we be happy here? I think what Jim said is absolutely correct. And what Christina had said earlier, if you're moving just to be able to retire earlier, it's not going to work for you. I think you really have to want to experience a new culture, experience a new country, and know that you're not going to have the comforts of home in your new place, new country, and definitely need to visit and really scope out where you want to live. The advice that we give to people about coming here, about thinking about going abroad, is that be prepared to live in a completely different environment. You have to be open to learning new things. You cannot come here and expect things to work the same way that they worked in the U.S. You know, in Portugal, they like to cut in lines all the time, you know, but it's a part of the culture. If they have something really small, really simple to get, you know, to purchase, they'll just say, hey, do you mind if I just cut right in front of you? In the U.S., that doesn't fly, but you have to embody that. Whenever you come to a country, you must respect 
the norms here. And so for anyone that is coming to Portugal, to any country, fully commit, understand that this is your new country. Yeah, I mean, I can add to that in the sense that I think when you're thinking about your retirement, you really want to think about what that looks like. What do you plan on doing throughout the day? Like, what are your interests and how are you going to fill your day? You're working 40-hour weeks, 40-plus-hour weeks normally, and now you're getting all those hours back. And so how do you want to spend that time? And when you think about that, think about where you're going and will that place be able to fill the time with how you want to do it. Like I just got this email from a guy who watches our videos and he said, you know, I'm close to retirement. I want to be able to swim with a pool. I want to get a two bedroom apartment and I want good health care. Can you recommend a place in Portugal? And I was like, well, you know, Lisbon has a pool. I swim every day now. It has great health care and well, we have a three bedroom, but there's two bedroom condos here as well, you know, but it's really thinking about well, what else do you want to do with your time, right? For us, it was like the girls have spent so much time with school and they're so intelligent. We never wanted to be in a place where we're, we felt like we were stepping backwards in terms of their education. And then they, are, they also excel in their sports. So we really wanted to be able to bring them to a place where they could continue competing at a very high level. And so Portugal made sense for us. But I think my recommendation is just really think about what's important to you and how you want to fill that time and then find the space, the place that fits with how you want to spend your retirement. Perfect. Well, I personally love watching your videos and I know a lot of people after listening to this will want to watch them. Where can they find them and share with us what is up next in your life? Okay, so you can find us on YouTube if you search Our Rich Journey. And we also have an Instagram account, which is just Rich Journey. And wow, what's next for us? My goodness. Well, we will continue to make the YouTube videos in retirement. We'll still do a little bit of work. But at this point, we are just really taking it easy. We are trying to assimilate to the country. We do have a very busy schedule every day. We're out and about. We're taking Portuguese classes. We're involved in our kids' uh, schools and in their sports. And we have other hobbies that we're pursuing. But for now, we're just enjoying retirement. We're doing whatever we want to do, wherever the day takes us. And that's the whole reason why we started pursuing financial independence. And so people, if they want to also kind of follow our journey, they can watch us on YouTube because at the end of every month, we do also share how much money we've spent for the month. And when we talk about that, we also talk about the activities that we do. So they can learn a lot about us uh, just from going to our YouTube page. Jim and Lisa, same question for you. Where can we find you and what is up next? Well, you can find me on uh, my website, routetoretire.com, and I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram uh, as Route to Retire as well. You sometimes find Lisa on routetoretire.com. But as far as what's next, you know, my goal right now is to try to build up my blog a little bit more, maybe post some more and whatnot. But uh, just like Aman was saying, um, we're trying to assimilate more into the country here and just enjoy it. Enjoy being a part of Panama, which has been wonderful. This has been the What's Up Next podcast on behalf of myself, Doc G, coming to you from Evanston, Illinois, and my co-host, Paul Thompson of Little Rock, Arkansas. We wanted to thank Jim and Lisa from Boquete, Panama, and Christina and Aman from Lisbon, Portugal. If you would like to get updates on what Doc and I are thinking up next, you can text the word NEXT to 345-345 so you can get notified of free giveaways, 
opportunities to engage with the What's Up Next podcast and maybe even be a guest on the podcast. We're adding consistent content to our Facebook group and you can get access by texting the word next to the number 345-345. That's a wrap. So congratulations, guys, by the way. Thank you. Thanks. That's this awesome. Our, this is our first podcast that we're doing together here. So, Oh, awesome. Yeah. You, you know us. We try to make it as awkward as possible. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me, Paul. Did you give me recording rights? I thought I tried to, but... Uh, I'm wasting all this material when I could yeah. be using it for bloopers. <laughs> all right, there you go. But you guys That's get to drink cheap guess. beer, so that makes it easier. <laughs> do you like cheap beer? We do like any beer. It doesn't have to be cheap. Drink away our sorrows. Yeah. We just, I just got back from Camp Phi Southwest last weekend, which is a lot of fun in Joshua Tree. So Joshua Tree is a little bit out there, right? California in general is out there. So we are staying at this like 1930s, 1940s camping get-together center. It was really weird. Like it looked a little bit like The Shining. Like we stayed in this old house on the property and it was really dark and there was like an empty pool and it was really kind of scary. But we also, we were only one of the groups. There was another group using the camping center that was farther away and we're convinced they were a bunch of, of witches who went out at night and they would dance, like dance around a fire for like hours. And they had like these big white robes that they take off and they would dance naked actually when they warmed up because it's like 50 degrees in the desert there, right? Are, are you and, making this uh, up? Is this real? No, I swear to God. And so like... And they would give us dirty looks whenever they saw, especially the men in the group. They'd give the men very dirty looks. But we're convinced that this was some kind of like Wiccan witch get together. Maybe it was. I think it was. Were they literally dancing naked out there? They were dancing naked like for hours. Paul, has your life been a little bit more normal than Doc's? (laughs) Yes. Way more normal than that. I I went to Vegas this week and I had no stories like that. <laughs> Which is incredible. Usually yeah, that's he, where you get those stories. If he did have those stories, he's not telling you. Yeah, I'm not the one to share. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, do we, any of you guys have a hard stop time just so we need to know? No. no. Yeah, you guys are retired and living in different countries. You should oh, have yeah. a hard stop time yeah. on the side. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's, right? it's Paul or I who are running around like chickens with our head. <laughs> I mean, we only we have 50 minutes and then we have to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It looks, it looks like we lost Doc. So um, I might be doing this podcast by myself. <laughs> Hi, this is Jim. And I'm Lisa. Hey, guys. It's Amon. And Christina. And you're listening to the What's Up Next podcast. Nailed it. You guys are pros. Well, we just copied them, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> we they love easy. <laughs> They look easy. Yeah. yeah, I am. Yeah. And I tell you, a doc, I mean, he's not the, I, the tech, yeah. techie guy <laughs> trying to explain the tech, technical stuff to a, to a non-techie is. For whatever reason, our house is like an internet, you know, it's an internet free zone. It just doesn't work. Like we've, we've, had, <laughs> we've workers, had a lot of trouble. <laughs> we've had workers into this house 20 times in the last two years and they've never been able to figure out why. Our Wi-Fi just does not work. But so you have an X-ray machine in your basement or something. So what is y'all's level of Spanish? Un poquito. <laughs> <laughs>
And Lisa, what about the creature comforts? Obviously, Panama's not going to feel exactly like Ohio does. Have you noticed that there are a number of little things that aren't as easy for you as they were in the United States? Do you mean little things, creatures, like like bugs? (laughs) Aman, take away the financial issue. Knowing what you know now about Portugal, if it ended up, you know, the cost of living was similar to your average U.S. state, would you still have moved to Portugal, all things else being the same? Most definitely. That's my answer. I'm sticking to it. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, even if we end up hating Panama, which I don't think we'll hate Panama, we actually love it. But if we decide to go somewhere else and try something else or even go back to the States. Portugal. Portugal. I I will try and talk Jim into visiting at least. So let's do a house swap. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Um, Jim, what does the future hold? Where do you think you'll end up? uh, In a divorce. (laughs) No, the uh, and those people that we talked to, we talked about everything. We talked about healthcare. We talked about education. We talked about safety. We talked about economics and. Uh, we didn't really talk about economics. Uh, that would have been pretty boring. So Aman and Christina, you guys have convinced me, uh, you guys are going to have some new neighbors and I need to convince my, my wife um, <laughs> that I'm going to take her away from her parents for an extended amount of time. What's, what's my pitch? Oh. <laughs> Tell her to watch our YouTube video <laughs> <laughs> and she will be ready to come. Excellent. So I think we're going to see your girls on the Portuguese uh, Olympic team soon. That's kind of what I'm, what I'm projecting here. Well, maybe my daughter was just asking me the other day, can you tell me how someone gets to the Olympics? <laughs> I was like, yes, I can. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I, we're, we're best friends and you never met me before. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I appreciate you all your contributions. It's been very helpful. And I really enjoy it. This has been the What's Up Next podcast on behalf of myself, Doc G, coming to you from Evanston, Illinois, and my co-host, Paul Thompson of Little Rock, Arkansas. We wanted to thank Jim and Lisa from Boquete, Panama, and Christina and Aman from Lisbon, Portugal. And I'll leave you just with one thought. This whole time, of all the people, the worst internet connection, can you guess who it came from? And I'll tell you, it was not one of the panelists. That's a wrap. That's a perfect end, Doc. (laughs) Doc, you're like a freestyle rapper, man. Yeah, he is. Killed it. (laughs) Yeah, he nailed it. So you know, I lost so much of that podcast though because um, I literally lost you guys like ten times. Oh wow! So I don't know if you could tell. I apologize if I asked you a question you had already answered. I yeah yeah we answered all those questions like (laughs) what. I'm telling you, like, I, I literally had to, I had to move rooms. I had to replug in my phone, like, like replug in my, my mic and everything. I'm in a totally different part of the house than I It was a home you, tour. You were in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. I was in the kitchen. I'm now in my wife's office. You, you pulled it off well, though, Doc. Okay, yeah. You guys couldn't tell because I lost you guys, especially in the beginning. I think the first 20 minutes, I lost you guys a bunch of times. And I had no See, idea what was happening. This is the problem. You just can't find a good co-host. Just, I know. I know. <laughs> We did a, a podcast, um, I think it was about a month ago, and uh, it was with uh, like four young guys, uh, like straight out of college, and they were on their phones. They were, it, was, it was such a distracting podcast. I could not stay focused, but they were engaged at the same time. It was like they were running a podcast and running their businesses and talking to their friends at the same time, and 
you know, I'm almost 40. I cannot I can't pull that off. I can't pull that off. Your distraction was nothing. It was nothing. Yeah. I'll have you guys note that Paul, I actually was the one who messed up my line. Did you guys notice it? So we always start, I say, so Paul Thompson, what's up next? And so this time I said, so Paul Thompson, what's next? We always, <laughs> we, we always make fun of people for not saying what's up next when we do like our intro. So and you messed up your own line. I, I messed up my own <laughs> intro after whatever, like 70 times of, of recording. Yeah. 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 Well, one time I introduced myself as Doc. I was like, wait, I'm not Doc. Like, <laughs> oh, no. I got nervous. <laughs> I think the highlight of this entire podcast was watching Doc walk through his hallway with the laptop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Um, you know, what's funny is I was talking about this and I bet you Christine and Amon can relate is, uh, you know, here it's acceptable to like people just pull up a truckload of pineapples or something and you just buy them right out of the truck. Like yes. if that happened in the U.S., people would be like, no, not right. Yes, exactly. But that's the best fruit. You know, yeah, it's yes. fresh. It came yeah. right from the farm. Yeah. And like 50 cents. So that's yeah. better. So I've got a question Jim, about Jim. You haven't been to some of my neighborhoods. That still happens in the U.S. too. That, that, that does happen in the U.S. here and there. It's called a farmer's market. You ever heard about that? <laughs> Let's say when he goes for a run and comes back with his hands full of bags. I know, right? <laughs> He's like, I'm going to work out. Sure, you are. Yeah. I mean, even when there's not a happy hour, it's like, how is a beer cheaper than a can of soda? Yeah. It's like, or water. Amazing. Beer, yeah. Why is yeah. beer cheaper than water? Yep. <laughs> Let them drink beer. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so maybe I shouldn't go to Portugal. I, I'd be a lush. <laughs> you very well could be, yes. If you have to pick between water and beer, I don't know. It's an easy decision for me. We might get Faith started drinking. Yeah. Save us a little money. I'll, jo- I'll joking it. <laughs> better than water, man. Get that kid up here. And she sleeps better. Yeah. There you go. It's just. Are you following my daughter's channel? I'm not. <laughs> oh, does she have one? She she started one. Yeah, yeah. it's called it's called my crazy parents. <laughs> it's, uh, it's like I'm here in Panama. I don't know what the hell's going on here. My parents is like it. we were in Ohio. It was like normal, and like, was all good. of a sudden, she had to all sell of a sudden, they're giving stuff. me beer instead of water. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> Oh, okay, oh, okay. Yeah. So the the main thing is fun with fun faith. With faith. Yeah, That's you right. Don't, you don't have I to, have to tell you, Jim, but that also sounds like a really liberal um, church. Yeah, <laughs> a communal church. Like uh, yeah, you won't have any of that there. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, Paul, you'd probably say the same thing, right? It's yeah, just, but it's not usually because we're fascinating. It's because the people we're talking to are fascinating. Yeah. So, <laughs> you got, I, I, I love your setup, though. I mean, the interaction is 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 amazing. So. I'm, I'm excited. Yep. That's the only thing we got right was the format. And it, the rest of it <laughs> yeah. was still working it out. <laughs> but we're still here, right? Let's find so. independence podcast out there. That's right. Still I like it. Yeah, last time yeah. we flew. It's not, like, it's not like they can just uh, stop over for, for dinner. For dinner? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can I have the whole Chautauqua group over to your house for dinner? Right? All 30 of them? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I better get a cut of that money. <laughs> Talk to Jim. I'm sure he'll be up for it. He'll work you into it, yeah. Jay, I'll, Jay, I'll do that for you. Don't worry yeah. about it. Um, I don't know if we'll go to FinCon uh, this year. You know, we don't like to talk to the money nerds. <laughs> we like to talk to regular people. No, we, we like to talk to regular nerds. All day. <laughs> regular nerds, yeah. <laughs> 
Great. Thanks, Thanks so much, Thank guys. So much. Have a great rest of your day or night, depending on the yeah. time there. Yeah. We're just going out. Yeah. Yeah. Bye, guys. Thank you. Bye.